0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. But before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and the second part of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how we can mend the division within the church.
1: Colossians two says that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love. That's the key. And attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. And so we are to be sowing seeds of love. If we can use the mending analogy, we're to sow things that mend people back together because this is a hard world to live in. It can be very difficult. You you get hired at a company, and it can be literally a dog-eat-dog world. We all know how it can be. So we want to come into a place like the church that is safe and healing. Paul is not calling upon all Christians to be cookie-cutter Christians, by the way. He's not saying that you should all dress alike, think alike in every category of your life. Please, that would be frightening, If we all walked in with the same clothing on, uniforms or something like that, good morning, good morning, people would think something weird is going on. Later, Paul will talk about the beauty of our unity within our diversity. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, people from all around the globe, one day will be before the throne and before the Lamb, celebrating, honoring the one who paid for us all. What are the steps to mending disunity? Let me give you a few. First, the one I just mentioned is agreement about the main things or the main focus. Agreement about the main things or the main focus. Speak the same was a term used to describe political parties that were free from factions. How many of you watch a little bit of political theater these days? Uh, it's, hard, it's hard not to watch it, right? And you watch people debate back and forth, up and down. In the first five minutes of most of the programs, you'll get all the stories of the day. But they have to be looked at from every angle. And people are heated and they talk over each other. And that's a loose interpretation of how they sound. And then there's a person in the middle, calm down, let this person finish, calm down. Yeah, that's a good point. And and people, they almost look like they're going to combust on the air. John MacArthur comments, a few things are more devastating to, to a church than everyone having his own ideas and interpretations about the faith or of the congregation being divided into various factions, each with its own views. This could also apply to biblical ethics. I mean, if you went to multiple Bible studies in a church and someone was teaching something different about the gospel or the Trinity or how you get saved, would you be a little confused? Some new Christians who turn on so-called Christian television can get confused. Why? Because they often hear someone with sound theology preaching sound doctrine, and then the next person in the next half hour is out to lunch, and people get confused. This is not what should go on in the Christian church. The local church, if it's going to be spiritually healthy, harmonious and effective, must above all, please hear what I'm about to say, must above all have doctrinal unity. If we don't have unity around the truth, we have nothing. All we are then is a social club who's found some common things that bring us together on a Sunday morning like this. To me, that's useless. I'll go to the beach instead, thank you. I don't need a social club. I want to know the one who bought me, the one who saved me, and the one who called a community to himself. Amen? And I think that's what the world needs as well. And so we need doctrinal unity. Maybe a good place to start when a church is in trouble or a marriage is in trouble is this. Can we just agree on this? Can we just agree on this? Maybe if your marriage is in trouble, could you say, can we just agree on the fact that we made a covenant to love one another? We made vows to one another. Can we agree on that? Can we start there? Can we as the church agree, and I'm speaking to the church worldwide now, can we as the church agree that our main focus is Jesus and the gospel, the word of God, the God of the Bible? Can we agree on that? Because then we can talk about non-essential issues and we can then decide where those land, right? We can talk about modes of baptism, what you believe about the rapture. You know, people have argued over the years about infant baptism or believer's baptism. Some say you should sprinkle when you baptize. Some say you should dunk. Some say you should dry clean people. I mean, there's... (laughs) That last one's a little loose again. Anyway... See, we do need unity around the truth. And Paul says in Romans 16, 17, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, listen to this, contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. Later, Paul will say there are debatable matters. There are issues of what you eat and drink and days of worship that we can debate and talk about that are that are ultimately not essential issues. But there is something essential, and if we don't have that down, we have nothing. There are those in our world that are touting spirituality. You can be spiritual, but it doesn't matter what you believe about the Bible or Jesus. That's a lie. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and what? No one's coming to the Father except through me. By the way, when I say that to somebody, I say, that's not what I said. That's what Jesus said. So if you have an argument, sir or ma'am, it's with him. Number two, ways to mend unity or division in the church is to be perfectly united, NIV, in mind and thought. We're still dealing with verse 10. Sometimes we simply have to change our frame of mind about how we think about things. Let me say that one more time. Sometimes, we just have to change our mind about how we think about things. And what we really need is mind transformation. We need the Word of God to really inform our thinking about the church, about the gospel. The Word of God must inform our thinking because if it doesn't, all it is is a matter of opinion. And your opinion's no better than mine, and mine no better than yours, right? But if the word of God informs my conscience in biblical ethics, if it informs the church in terms of what it does and how it practices what it does, then we have something that's authoritative. Let us therefore, says Paul, as many as are perfect have this attitude. And if anything, in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. That's Philippians 3, 15, and 16. Sometimes we just need to have our thinking changed. Do you know what the church is about? Do you know what brings us together on a Sunday morning? We need to know that. And over the years, there's been many times when I've been listening to sermons and a pastor's going through the word of God and it hit me and it was like, ooh, ouch. But then it comes down to who's gonna define the church, me or the Lord, (laughs) I think the Lord is going to define his church. A few years ago, I heard a story of two ministers that got into a fight about what they considered to be an important doctrinal matter. They settled the fight when the first minister told the second, look, what are we fighting over? We're both striving to do the Lord's work. You do it your way. I'll do it his way. (laughs) Verse 11. For I have been informed concerning you... Paul says to the Corinthian church, my brethren, by Chloe's people. Now, I think you all knew that at some point Chloe would show up in the Bible. Don't you guys? Now, Chloe is our children's ministry director. She's right here. She's on the third row. She's our kids' director. And she's in the video. She's the star of the video every week because, you know, you know, she's just cool, man. She getting hey, hey, living truth, what's up? She's shooting squirt guns. She's got goggles on. She's just, she shows up in her pajamas sometimes. It's just amazing. Not only is Chloe in the Bible, but she has people. Would you notice? I've been informed by Chloe's people. Now, I'm not surprised at all that Chloe has people. She has a whole network. It runs from the Inland Empire all the way down to the beach. Chloe, huh? She's right here, so I can talk about her, I think. Anyway. So Chloe, not our Chloe, (laughs) to be accurate, Chloe informed Paul about what was going on in the church. And there's some debate among scholars, we don't know for sure, whether or not Chloe was actually a Christian. Some people believe that she was a businesswoman, we're not talking about our Chloe, who had business between, she was probably from Ephesus because Paul wrote 1 Corinthians from Ephesus. And she did business between Ephesus and Corinth. So apparently, here's what happened, and most believe that she was a Christian, is that she went and visited the Corinthian congregation, came back into Ephesus where Paul was and said, Paul, i got to tell you something. What, what, what is it? The church you planted in Coro—I mean Corinth is a disaster. What? They've written me a couple letters. They never brought this up once. They just said they had questions about marriage and divorce and a couple of other things. They never told me that they were schismata, that they were a mess, that they were torn apart. What's going on? Oh, you won't believe what's going on. The church in Corinth is a disaster. Here's what Chloe's household shared, that there are quarrels among you, or if Chloe would say it to Paul, they do nothing but quarrel. They fight and bicker about who thinks who is the greatest teacher in that church. And Chloe told on them, and they needed to be told on. Them, "Oh Paul, I went to your church, and this is what I experienced. Sometimes it's good to you bring a friend to church and you ask them their opinion. <laughs> hey, what did you think of the service?
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Sometimes it's good to you bring a friend to church and you ask them their opinion. <laughs> hey, what did you think of the service? And sometimes you just see your friend's eyes are really big, like, I don't know what to think of those people. Let's just start with the music. What in the world's going on? I don't gather with my friends on a Friday night and say, hey, let's sing a song. What do you think? That's weird. And then some guy comes out for 45, I mean, (laughs) 55 minutes (laughs) and preaches from that Bible. What in the world's going on around there? I wanted to exit, but you guys have long pews. It's difficult to get out. I say all of this because I was that person some years ago. I thought everybody in the church was bananas. I thought you people had lost your collective minds. And now, I'm one of you. (laughs) Not only that, I'm a big part of the banana split. (laughs) Anyway. We'll see in a moment that their quarrels were not about the gospel or the truth of God's word, but about a teacher they associated themselves with. It was about style, looks, eloquence, oratory. Who has the most pizzazz? The Greeks put a high emphasis on rhetoric and philosophical skills. Today, our world is enamored with associations to schools, jobs, individuals. Somehow we feel if we can be associated with them, we can get some self-validation. Listen to, this is a commentary Uh, by somebody named Um, last name U.M. In the world of educational credentials, there's always a desire to inform people in an organic way about our association with the selective institutions and reputable scholars. Oftentimes people may hear, I graduated from this institution. I studied with this individual. And if anyone knows anything in this field, they'll know that he or she is in the top five of their particular field. This happens everywhere, says this writer. Why? It sounds as though we are praising the institution, but in essence, we are praising ourselves. The institution is our patron. This was the issue of horizontal factionalism or patronage, says this writer, for self-validation. In many ways, people and causes become our surrogate saviors, close quote. Hey, I went here. Hey, I go to church over there. Hey, my football team is, oh, sorry. Let's not go there. That's too personal for me. I have close associations with my sports teams. Strike that from the record. That doesn't apply. Anyway. (laughs) And so they were quarreling about it. And it was big in Corinth to know where your associations lied. So you could say, oh, well, I grew up with, with this education, or I listen to this philosophical teacher, or this or that, and everything about you was about your associations with others. I go to these parties. I, I hang with these particular individuals. And they were quarreling, and they were fighting, and it was ugly. Now Paul says, this is what I mean, verse 12, I mean this, that each of you is saying, it seems like it was churchwide to every person, Each of you is saying, I'm of Paul, I of Apollos, I of Cephas, which is Peter's Aramaic name, and I of Christ. There were four factions in the Corinthian church. And since this was a big city, it may be that there were four different meeting places. Remember, there's no church buildings in the first century. So the church would have met in houses or in the open air. So it's possible that each of these meetings had a particular emphasis. And one group said, I'm of Paul. It'd be something like this. You know, uh, I was around since this whole thing began, just so you're informed. Uh, When Paul planted the church, I was part of the first committee. I was there. I I know the founder of the church. His name is Paul. He's a short guy. You know, hair's kind of going away. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's who I am. I, I've been around here for a long time. I, I know what's going on. And there were tribes in the church. The Paul party would likely consist of those who were the first fruits of the apostles' labors in Corinth. I was here when they started the whole thing. The Apollos party, verse 12, named after Apollos, who came to Corinth shortly after Paul's departure. He was an eloquent man, born in Alexandria, mighty in the scriptures, probably polished in Greek rhetoric and philosophy, more impressive than Paul. And so the the Greeks could really relate to this guy. They would say, he's an impressive speaker. He's taller than Paul. He's handsome. You know, I like how he rolls his R's when he says a word. He can do that. It's just terribly impressive. You know, I like the way he dresses be that kind of thing. The Cephas party was probably composed of Jewish converts. Since Peter was a Christian longer than Paul, he was the leader of the Twelve, and he seemed to be more in the direction of Jewish law in terms of his, maybe his emphasis. Maybe those who were Jewish in the Corinthian church liked to associate more with Peter. Maybe they felt that Paul was a little bit liberal on some things that they thought important. Now Paul, please note does not attack any of these men for their teaching. They all teach the same gospel. They all teach the word of God. The issue is not their teaching. The issue is how people see them. And I'm sure each of them would be greatly uh, discouraged and disheartened by emphasis being placed on them. They would not want that. Peter would not want that. Paul would not want that. Apollos would not want that. And lastly, they had a Christ party. It's more difficult to determine who these people were, but one writer says, the most likely view is that they rejected all human authority, refusing to acknowledge Paul or Apollos or Cephas or any other eminent teacher. Maybe they were tired of all these human teachers. Some today in the professing church simply will not be part of a traditional church. They folded up the tent They don't believe that there can be a head pastor somewhere or a main teaching pastor. They they, they believe that's not right and that's not the way God would have it.
0: You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was the second part of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how we can mend the division within the church. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Remember... We would like to help equip the body of Christ. Studying the Bible brings up a lot of questions. Friends and family do too when they find out you're a Christian. Whatever the question is, send it our way so Pastor Michael can address it on air. Chances are you're not the only one that has that same question. Remember, we have the apologetic school here at truthacademy.com. So if Pastor Michael doesn't have the answer, he'll just drag one of the professors into the studio to answer it. So email it to us at the address Answers at walkintruth.com. That's answers at walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, we've been letting you know that you can ask your Bible question at answers at walkintruth.com. Answers at walkintruth.com. And we've been getting some questions from you, and that's great. And we'd love to address your Bible questions. Here's a question, an interesting one, that came from a listener, and here's what it is. What is this thing about Lilith? Who is Lilith? And what does the Bible say? And you're like, say what? <laughs> Who is Lilith? Well, Lilith is really a legend. And it's something that happened in uh, Jewish mysticism or Jewish legend. And basically, this is what it says, that Adam had a wife before Eve whose name was Lilith. But this, of course, is not in the Bible. It's certainly just simply a legend. The legend has a lot of variations to it, a lot of different uh Branches, you could say. But basically, it says this that Lilith would not agree to submit to Adam. She didn't want to be under his headship. So, according to this legend, Lilith was evil. She was wicked. And she walked away from Adam and committed adultery with Satan and produced a race of evil creatures. And What we just say is that none of this is true. And you might ask, well, then why would anybody jump on this bandwagon? Well, here's part of the reason. And I'm going to be blunt, but here it is. Because in radical feminism, there's a a pushback against male headship and submission in marriage and even in the church. And we know that submission in marriage has to do with a husband loving his wife as Christ love the church, there's a beautiful picture of Christ and the bride, the church, in marriage. That's part of the message of marriage. So the pushback when we say, well, we won't submit, or there are people who accuse Paul of being a male chauvinist and say Paul was wrong, and you can find all kinds of stuff on the internet. But let me submit this to you. Jesus Christ said of Saul, who became Paul, He, Saul, who became Paul, is my chosen instrument. He will carry my name to kings and Gentiles. See, Saul, who became Paul, writing two-thirds of the New Testament letters, was Jesus's chosen instrument. You can see Acts chapter 9. Therefore, when Paul writes Holy Scripture, it is really the message of Jesus to the church. Remember, he's Jesus's chosen instrument. So I want to ask you, if you're pushing back against what Paul wrote or questioning his authority or whether it's inspired, is it because you are kicking against the goads, so to speak, because you don't like what the Bible says and you won't submit to it? You know, this is really what's going on here. And there's all kinds of expressions of this about Lilith. Maybe Lilith was the wife in Genesis 1 and Eve was the wife in Genesis 2 because people see two different creation accounts actually, it's not two different creation accounts. It's just more detail of the creation account in Genesis 2 that was broader or more sweeping in Genesis 1. It's not two different accounts. It's just more detail in chapter 2. And there's no wife before Eve. These were the first humans made and the Bible is clear. And so that is the answer on Lilith. And I would just say, You know, if you're reading a bunch of stuff and people are saying, oh, there's extra biblical sources that prove this or that, I would be careful to jump on those bandwagons. And I would really put before the Lord what your motive is and whether or not you're willing to be in submission to God's word, even if it's not comfortable. Look, a lot of God's word's not comfortable for me, but it's God's word. And so our job is to yield to it. And I pray that that helps you with that question about Lilith. God bless you. Well, here we are at the end of another week, and we are so blessed that you are listening and partnering with Walk in Truth, and I pray you've had a great week, and I pray that the Lord will bless your weekend. And I want to remind you to get into fellowship this weekend. Go to church, but not just go to church, be the church. You know, the church is not a building, it's a group of people, and when you connect with the body of Christ, it's a great thing. And so I want to leave you with this blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace and give you shalom. May he bless your weekend and we'll look forward to joining you again on Monday.
0: Tune in again next week to hear the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how we can mend the division within the church. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And remember, it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.